This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, podcast people? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Monday, May 14th, 2018. I am your extremely addicted to Netflix host, Patrick Moran. I don't have any, and I'm using air quotes here, special guests on today's episode. Figured I'd change things up a little bit. I do, however, have my man Tone Pucks in for our weekly Pat with Pucks segment. Tone and I are talking about a variety of things today, including an examination of if we think the Buffalo Bills are better right now than they were last year. We're breaking down the team position by position and discussing each. We're also talking a little bit about Russ Brandon, switching gears to hockey and discussing the Las Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to talk some LeBron James, Boston Celtics, Tiger Woods. Going to compare a few TV and movie favorites and plenty more things like that. Ladies and gents, I'm pretty confident I just set a new milestone for TV binge watching over these past few days. Certainly a personal best of mine. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? More on that in a minute. You know, you know what? In fact, no. Nah. More on that right now. I'm going to skip the theatrics and the long intro this week. Let's just roll right now into some Pat with Pucks. Let's get to it. Pat with Pucks. To the victor belongs the sports. Why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fat fucking ass. The customer is usually a moron and an asshole. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but then... What's going on, Tone Pucks? Didn't hook up with you last week because I had pre-taped the episode well in advance, knowing that I'd have some friends coming down to Florida to help me celebrate my birthday last week. So didn't get to hook up with you last week. How are things up there in Buffalo? How you doing? They're good, man. That was bullshit, though, last week. My peoples were like, they hadn't been so disappointed since turning something on since like Game of Thrones took took a Sunday off and whatnot. They were... They were crushed, so don't ever do that shit again, man. I got people counting on hearing me. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, man. I I felt the pressure. I needed to have an episode, and I knew I had people coming down, and I figured a guy like Del Reed, Bill's Mafia, I said, you know what? That's a pretty good story that I could pre-tape on Monday or Tuesday, polish that episode up, and get it all done and all set so I wouldn't have to worry about it while uh, my buddies were up there. But I do apologize in my lifetime, it will never, ever happen again. All right, it works. It, it, it looks, Yeah, of course it will. It looks looks like you guys had a good time, man, you know? I just, I really, I kind of knew it before, but now I really know. Dude, I just can't keep up anymore. I'm washed up, and I got no problem admitting that. I've come to peace with that. I try to go hard, but I, it's just not in me anymore, man. I was fake drinking by Sunday. I'm going to be honest with you. The guys were down four or five days. By Sunday, I was taking a beer, and it was taking me three hours of drinking. But I did have a good time. I mean, we did a lot of stuff. We went to Clearwater, went to Siesta Key, did Anna Marie Island, did a lot of fun things. But at this point, dude, I just, like again, I just tap out. I just can't keep up with people like I used to. Yeah, you're pushing 60 and shit. That'll happen, man. <laughs> All right, that's pushing it a little bit. 
I got to tell you something. We got a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk about the Bills. We're going to talk about, I want to talk about LeBron, Tiger Woods, NHL. I want to have like a mixed bag this week. And I'll get into all that stuff with you in a second. But before that, I got to ask you a question. Listen, I'm pretty confident that I sunk to a new high or, or new low, I should say, depending on what your perspective is. I posted on Facebook, all right, Thursday at around 8 p.m. that I was 33 episodes into binge watching Parks and Rec on Netflix. By the way, let me let me start here. Did you have you ever seen Parks and Rec when it was on NBC? Uh, no, not when it was on, not when it was running, but uh, like a, an episode or two on uh, on Netflix, and and then I bailed. And not not from what I remember, it being the quality of the episodes, just you know, one of those things where you know something just takes you somewhere else, and and that's it, and it's gone forever. So exactly, and that's the way it was with me. I, when it was on Thursday nights, because I've always liked Thursday night NBC TV. For some reason, I just, I watched a couple episodes here and there, but didn't know the characters. So I didn't really understand it much. So I kind of bailed on it too. Like I said, not knowing any of the characters and just things were always coming up that I didn't end up watching it. Anyway, getting back on track here. I was 33 episodes into a binge by Thursday. I posted on Facebook. As I stand before you or sit here at my desk, whatever you want to call it, as we tape this Sunday evening, Reasonably early Sunday evening. I'm now 93 episodes in. So from <laughs> Thursday till Sunday, dude, from Thursday to Sunday, I watched a cool 60 episodes of Park and Rec. And I mean, watched them from its entirety, not fast forwarding through half of them. 60 episodes, pretty much in three days, I've watched that shit. Yeah, that's straight crackhead binging, man. That's a good job right there. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, it's like 21, 22 minutes long, something like that. So even at like three per hour, you know, I might be off with my math a little bit. I spent approximately 20 hours watching this shit over the past few days. I got 32 more episodes left. And I promise you before, well, before we talk again next week, I'll have that done. And by the way, so if you're wondering why you're the only guest on today's episode, there's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I did is watch this I show. Thought, I thought it was because I have was- Have you ever in... binge watched anything? Oh, man. Um, my hardest binge ever, I would say was the show lost. Like I got a few episodes into that and that was it. It was, it was lights out after that, man. Um, I would, I would watch, you know, three episodes uh, a night until I eventually caught up just as the final season started. Yeah. Lost was my, was my biggest binge. I haven't even never even watched a full episode of that. To be honest yeah, with you, it's way, I probably should. I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's way too smart a television show for you, man. <laughs> That's probably why I stopped watching Westworld already. I don't know if you've ever watched that shit on HBO Sunday nights, but I I can't follow along. I really can't. I'm gonna get back. I, Listen, I, I want. Yeah, I, I've caught a couple episodes of it. I hear great things. HBO does great things. But I, I, I haven't uh, swung back around yet. I know they're in season two right now, but. On a serious note, as we get started here on, on the actual program today, uh, news came broke today that former Buffalo Bills and longtime NFL coach Chuck Knox died. He, of course, he was a Buffalo Bills head coach from 1978 to 82. AP coach of the year in 80. I know you got some memories. We grew up together. We're around the same age. You got some good Chuck Knox memories, I'm sure. Yeah, man. I, I mean, that was that was the start for me. It, it, actually, it was the opener in in 1980, where the person that uh, that my mom was going to the game with uh, the next day, you know, bailed at the last minute, and she had no choice but to drag her eight year old son along. And you know, that was it, man. That that, that was the start of it for me. Uh, I, and I also went to. The last uh, home, the home finale that year, which was a near uh, playoff clinching victory uh, in uh, in overtime against the Rams, um, you know, Knox's former team, they would have to win like one more game, uh, I think, uh, of their last two, and they clinched in in Frisco, uh, that 80 team. But, you know, I mean, that's when this fan was born, was during the Knox era. So, you know, I mean, I can't rattle it off the way I could, you know, 90s teams and stuff like that with memories of the games at least, but overall memories of the season, the way the the 80 team went in on such a roll, 
uh, until Fergie sprained his ankle. You know, a lot of people say that the Bills were the best team in the AFC that year, and had Fergie not sprained his ankle, um, there was a good chance that they would have been, you know, that they would have gone all the way. And then that 81 team that I believe ended up a, a wild card as opposed to the 80 team that won, yep. won the East, the 81 team. This is when I was really hooked, bro, was the uh, the wild card game at Shays where Richard Todd was driving the Jets uh, for a last second, what would have been game-winning comeback touchdown because the Bills got out all over them to start that game. And and let's see, so I would have been nine at that, that year. The stress was so bad that I just I just broke down and started to cry. You know, you're nine years old. You cry at shit. Right. But not a lot of nine-year-olds are crying over the stress of a wild-card football game. But I was, man. That's uh, That was the era that I was hooked. Uh, I certainly remember the, um, you know, the Bills' 12 Days of Christmas on a Chuck Knox Super Bowl team. <laughs> so rest in peace, Ground Chuck. Um, it was uh, good. It was it was a it was a good run, man. A lot of fans were born during that era. Well done, man. Don't ever sing on the podcast. Again, <laughs> that, that was not awful. awful. That was solid. <laughs> All right. So moving on here, Russ Brandon. He's out. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. Again, it's kind of old news at this point, but what are your thoughts on Russ being out as Sabres and Bills president and also Kim Magula taking over this role? Well, you know, my immediate short-term thoughts as it relates to Brandon are just, you know, if some of what's being said is, is true, then he absolutely deserves to be out. Um, And I would, you know, commend the Pagulas for getting out in front of it. If in fact we can really call the timing of it getting out in front of it, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, how long did, did they know that things may have been going on? Uh, you know, like they're like is being speculated, you know, were they proactive, reactive, whatever be the case, but it, it does appear as though he, uh, ha- has run his course in the current climate of those two franchises that said as you look back on his time uh, mostly with the bills obviously I think the dude gets a bad rap all right and this is just going to add to the narrative of of the rap that he gets but I am you know that that's just not where I fall on things with with Russ Brandon and I know people have joked uh you know a couple tweets that I saw kind of diminished what Brandon did in terms of selling uh, a sport that so easily sells itself like the NFL does. But, you know, shit wasn't always like that, okay? And as much as Ralph Wilson did at the end to keep this team in Buffalo, you know, through the terms of the lease and and things like that, uh, and, you know, the amount of of money that the estate left, I, I mean, these are all wonderful things. But make no mistake, man, okay, Ralph would have done exactly what Art Modell did in Cleveland had Russ Brandon not sold the Bills the way he sold them at a time, okay, where it wasn't quite like selling the NFL now. And I still believe that without Russ Brandon's efforts, we very well may not have a football team in this city. So, you know, the old Russ Brandon is one that, you know, that I'm going to choose to remember and not like I'm going to just, you know, dismiss some of the uh, speculation of the new Russ Brandon or, or, you know, what his uh, conduct was with the Pagulas, but um, his tenure with Ralph was one that Buffalo sports fans should be very appreciative of. Um, And not all of them are, and I'm okay with that. That's cool. Uh, Everyone's entitled to their opinion and, and, some people's opinions on it, you know, if you follow uh, certain people on Twitter, are are funny as shit. But I just ain't one of them, you know. Uh, Russ, Russ, uh, Russ will have a place of favor with me for you know for for as long as uh, the conversation about him goes on. I agree with a lot of what you said. It's not necessarily the popular thing to say around Buffalo when it comes to Russ Brandon, but you know what? Good for you on on speaking your mind. I agree with a lot of what you said. I would say the one thing. 
that I've led to a lot of the bad things that lingered for years, at least in my opinion anyway, is there was a time where he had a lot to do with the actual football operating of the Buffalo Bills, beyond marketing, beyond helping the team with ticket sales and regionalization and staying here. That's when he was the straight-up general manager of the team, whether it was on an official basis or an unofficial basis for a while afterwards. As a GM, he sucked. Yeah, man, but yo, awful. Look, awful. Okay, but is that shit really on Russ? All right, that's on Ralph. People want to talk about Russ Brandon being the face of the of the drought. Let me tell you something, man. All right, the face of the drought is, was, and always will be Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Okay, Ralph got scorned by giving Donahoe too much, you know, too much pull, and when he, you know, when he stepped in after that. He started to turn his upper levels of management over to all the wrong people. All right. And I mean, what are you going to do if you're, if you're Russ Brandon, or let's just say you're Pat Moran or Tone Pucks, you're going to say no when some dude says, Hey man, you want to give GM a run? Fuck yeah. I want to give GM a run. (laughs) You know, I I just, I, I don't see that being on, on, on Brandon. I see that being on Ralph. I see a lot of the drought being on Ralph. And that's just something people don't want to really talk about because, you know, he's gone now and people want to remember him fondly, as they should. But you can do both. You can remember him fondly and you can be true to the fact that Ralph's mismanagement, all right, in his 80s and 90s had more to do with the drought than anything Russ Brandon did. Thoughts quickly on Kim Bagula taking over his role. Personally, I don't really have a problem with it because I don't think she's going to be making football or saber personnel decisions. And as long as she's her fingers aren't on that when it comes to signing guys or making trades and stuff like that, I really don't care, to be honest. Made with all you. the sense in the world, man. They've got two GMs they finally like, all right? And whether you bring in a president with a... Uh, you know, a business pedigree or a personnel, uh, you know, in the, in the sport pedigree, the bottom line is the president then becomes the boss of the GM. Even if you make the president report directly to ownership and GM report directly to ownership, you know, the way they kind of did that, you know, the, 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 the bilateral, uh, org chart previously, you're going to have a president that, you know, that probably has some of their own, you know, people, in mind for for the future and you simply don't want any any slides any any anything going backwards with the bills or sabers to immediately be cause for uh, a a new gm search because you know you may very well see uh the bills take a step backwards this year and you know it, it, these guys should not be bean nor bottle all right, should should not be in any jeopardy, you know, based upon these first couple of years. They've got two GMs they finally like. They're not about to rock the boat by hiring um, another level above or even parallel, you know, to these two guys. Plus, these two guys have built a, you know, a, a pretty deep infrastructure around them with assistant GMs. Bean has two, Botterill has one. Um, these guys you know, run a pretty tight ship and have, uh, you know, management tiers right, uh, right below them that, uh, you know, that help them out with a lot of the day-to-day stuff, freeing them up um, for even more things that maybe a traditional president might do. Every town has a punching bag where fans like to blame that person for everything that goes wrong, whether it's that guy's fault or not. Love him or hate him, I think we can all agree that Russ Brandon's been that guy in Buffalo for at least the last handful of years anyway. Everything, you blame him for everything. Now he's out. Who becomes the Bills punching bag if shit goes wrong this year? Because you know the fans, and myself, and probably you included too, we got to come down on somebody. So who do you think that guy is with Russ out? Dude, I mean, it is, it's going to be such a reach for for anybody you know, to, to point a finger this year. I, I think you really got to, this is such a lame answer, but I think you really got to watch how the season plays out and how and why it is that, you know, the Bills take a step back if indeed that's what happens. And then, you know, people will start to, you know, to to form their opinions from there. I, you know, the 
the obvious choice would, would be McDermott only because I think he's the face of it now, you know, as, as much as, you know, Bean has gotten some, uh, some recent burn and run and whatnot with it being draft season, you know, we're, we're about to get back to the point where that we were at almost for the entirety of last year, where Sean McDermott is the face of the bills and all of the Carolina, you know, connections are, are his and, uh, you know, he'll probably become the easy scapegoat if people are looking for one. And that's a big if, man, because I think this team's playing with house money this year. I really do. You've mentioned twice, and this is a good segue into what I want to talk about next and spend some time talking about it, that there's a good chance this team takes a step back in 2018. I'm not so sure of that. So let's examine, is this team, the Buffalo Bills right now, better, at least on paper, than it was last year. And let's be fair here. This was a team last year that made the playoffs. So for the first time, and God, I mean, this is our first year doing this podcast, but for, we could have been doing this for 17 years. The bar was never fucking very high. But now it is suddenly, the bar is set reasonably high anyway. This is a playoff team. Would you consider it a fluke or whatever you want to call it? They are a playoff team. So I'd like to take a little time and examine, is this team better than it is last year? And the way to do that, we'll spend some time you know, a little more at some positions than others, but is this team better than it was last year, the same or worse? So let's start at quarterback. That's the big one, the obvious one. Tyrod's out, in is A.J. McCarron, and of course, they draft Josh Allen at seventh overall. I think we could both agree, though, that unless things go really bad, like A.J. gets hurt or, you know, he plays really bad early on, I don't think Josh Allen's going to be a factor much this year. I really don't. That's just my opinion at this time anyway. So for the basis of this discussion, we should probably stick to AJ. But when it comes to the quarterback, do you think this team is better or worse off than it was last year? Worse. I, and there's, a, there, you know, there's Why? I just not a ton of thought that I that I really feel like I need to give this. Now I don't agree that that we um, that we don't include Josh Allen in the conversation, but my answer wouldn't change. All right, I think Tyrod Taylor is an above average NFL quarterback. I think. I think A.J. McCarron is a below-average NFL quarterback. Simple. You know, very, very simple. I think Tyrod was responsible for some of the W's last year. And, um, yeah, I think... Could be responsible for some of the L's, too, yeah, last no year. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the overall, you know, um, vision at the, at the position. All right? I just don't think... It's going to be um, as good this year as it was last year. I just, I guess it comes down to this, okay? I think Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than AJ McCarron. That's it. That's fair enough. And I'll say this, and we talked about this two weeks ago. I think Tyrod's biggest strength on this team is that he, and we talked about this two weeks ago, he, I think he really hid some of the weaknesses for what, in my opinion, was a pretty awful offensive line, at least when it came to pass protection. I mean, they ran the ball well. I think they were fifth in the league in rushing last year, but Tyrod kept at bay a lot of the criticism that would have rained down on the offensive line because of his legs. So I'll give you that much. But when it comes to passing, dude, we let's not forget this, man. The guy sucked three straight weeks and got benched. Okay, let's not forget that the Bills scored three points in a playoff game where the team that beat them only scored 10. I don't know how much worse the production could be at quarterback when it comes to that. And AJ McCarron, you know, he's not a world beater by any means. And I don't think there was a big market for him. In fact, I know there wasn't a big market for him in free agency, but the guy could throw the fucking ball pretty well. So it's hard for me to not conclude that at least when it comes to the passing game, that this position probably will be better. I just think A.J. McCarron's a better passer than Tyrod Taylor. While Tyrod, to his credit, bailed the Bills out of a lot of shit on that offensive line because of his legs. So, I don't know. We, we, we agree to disagree on that. Running back, I think we'll pretty much agree on this, that it's better off this year. They lose Tolbert. They gain, not the Chris Ivory, you know, again, not a world beater by any means, but he's an, he's an improvement over Tolbert, at least, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um... You know, I I think one thing we we have to factor in here is a is is another year of tread on the tires of uh, uh or another year off the tread uh of tires on Lashawn McCoy. But sure, you know, I I think I think when when all is said and done, 
I think Ivory's, yeah, a, a, a better number two. And uh, maybe it keeps Shady fresher, you know, and, and, and maybe that helps it. I just got to say something, though, man, real quick. All right. I got to Go swing back to quarterback real quick because as much as I agree with you on how he may have asked, uh, amassed the deficiencies uh, on the offensive line, all right, his biggest strength to me was that he did not turn the football over. <laughs> all right. So when we talk about what, you know, Taylor brought to the, to the table. Believe me, I understand the argument that, you know, by not turning the football over, he also did not, you know, make plays that were probably there because he was too safe. I understand that argument, but boy, we, we are going, I'm, my, my fear is that we're going to, um, you know, we're going to really miss that <laughs> at some point in the near in the near to future, an extent in yeah. the near future. But I just had to get that in on on uh, on the quarterback spot, man. Uh, don't mean to take the last word. You could certainly have it back because you know there's not much there's not much to talk about it uh, at running back. I, I think we probably both no, there's the not. You're right. And circling back to quarterback, it's a very valid point. Again. I guess it depends on what your perspective is. Do you want a guy who's not going to turn the ball over? Or do you want a guy who doesn't really make any plays either? Not with his arm. A.J. McCarron, again, he, he's not Tom Brady either. So it's not like uh, we're talking like, you know, Tyrod don't turn the ball over. But A.J. McCarron's this big gunslinger, you know, in the style of the way Jim Kelly used to play here either. So you do have valid points. I think this is the kind of conversation that's going to keep going on until Josh Allen either becomes a stud here or he completely flames out and sucks because you can go both ways. And trust me, I see both ways. I still see the tie rod people out there in full force. And I understand why. And I still see the people who hate tie rod. And I also understand that that's why it's really important that Josh Allen becomes the quarterback that's the face of this franchise and that he plays well, because this shit, this has to stop again. We could spend an entire episode, which we've pretty much have done before just going back and forth on the quarterbacks. And you know what? Whoever the quarterback is, you got to throw the ball to someone. So let's go there next. Wide receiver. Not too much loss. Not too much gain. They lose Jordan Matthews, who really didn't factor in last year. They lose Deontay Thompson, who was a factor at times last year. And I think they, who did they sign this year? Um, Jeremy Curley. That's pretty much the only addition. This is a weak receiving court, but it was last year. And I don't think it's any better. It might even be worse this year. What's your thoughts on that real quick? My thoughts are that we're um, really undervaluing uh, Calvin Benjamin. I think, you know, if I look at last year, and we're, are we including the tight ends as we go through this? I mean, no. No, we're going to talk about the exact same tight ends as they had last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, my my biggest concern is with the receivers is that I I thought we would get a uh, a pretty big jump from year one to year two out of Zay Jones and now we've got to now right. we've got to ask the question where's where this kid's fucking head is and that's uh you know the answer to that you know is a, is is a long way off but I don't I don't love the depth I think some depth may. Uh, evolve, you know, uh, Rod Streeter coming back and being healthy could potentially be a decent four, uh, or three. A couple guys from the practice squad last year, like, uh, uh, Riley and Malachi Dupree, I, I feel like could, could factor in. But boy, it's, it's really going to come down to the, you know, whether or not this unit, you know, contributes at a winning level is really going to come down to, uh, how Calvin Benjamin performs as a one and how Zay Jones puts the noise behind him and, um, you know, and bounces back from, a, you know, forget the noise, you know, bounces back from a subpar season one on the field. I do think that both things are capable of, uh, uh, both players are capable of, um, of acquitting themselves pretty well in those roles though. I just, it's, it's it's 50-50 at best that they do. But there were times, man, when Benjamin looked like the guy who everybody, you know, thought he was going to be coming out of school. I mean, he was taking Stefan Gilmore to school, okay? So, you know, we're just, we're not giving him a lot of credit. And I think he's, I think he's going to earn a little bit more from us uh, as this, as this season plays out. Are you a little surprised that this organization, at least seemingly anyway, 
That's a lot of trust in Zay Jones because, I mean, you said it perfect. Dude didn't do shit last year for the most part. He had a couple moments, but overall, considering the role he was expected to play and they tried to have him in the lineup and have him play, he didn't play very well, and that's on the field. And we all know about the shit that happened off the field this year. I mean, looking at this roster, at least as it stands today, maybe something happens tomorrow, but as of right now, seems like they have an awful lot of faith that Zay Jones is going to be a good number two because that's clearly what they have him on the depth chart right now is a clear-cut number two. If if that stuff didn't happen, if that TMZ stuff doesn't happen, I am all aboard the, you know, the Zay Jones train, man. I felt like a lot of what was happening last year to him was a product of, I mean, we were counting things as, I mean, look, you could go as early in the season as the, uh, as the Carolina game, man, that shit wasn't a drop. That was a garbage ass throw. Okay. And there were a lot of them to him plays where he would just get his fingers on it or he would get absolutely lit up after he touched the ball you know uh, now do we want him to make those catches of course we do but I I was high on Zay Jones uh, you know as he as he takes the leap from year one to year two the only thing that gave me the pause that I now have with him is the off the field stuff but as far as you know, what I feel of, of his skill sets, I do feel like he's, um, you know, has the talent to be a two or a one in in this league. I, I like everything about the way he plays uh, the position. I really do. I'm not, not sold on him. I think before the season starts, I think it's very important that the Bills get more help at receivers. Not going to be a marquee guy, obviously, but there'll be cuts. I think they need to do something. Quickly with tight ends. I don't know why I told you they would be separate. It shouldn't be fucking separate. It's the same guys as last year. Clay, Nick O'Leary, Logan Thomas, same as last year. Uh, do you see improve? I guess improvement would make them better than last year, but. You know, only if, um, only if the new quarterback, uh, you know, puts a little more uh, emphasis on finding the tight ends. You know, I, I you know, True. Charles Clay to me is, is, uh, well, he was never really worth the contract, but with all of it being upfront money to begin with, you know, this this back end of the contract, it was, you know, I'm, I'm glad we didn't bail out of that because the savings would have been nominal. And the only reason, you know, I, you know, he catches any shit, quite frankly, is is because of what, you know, Rex and, and, and Roman and, and Whaley um, overpaid him. But beyond you know, beyond that, if you take that out of play, I do think he's he's uh, an above-average tight end in this league who can still make some plays when healthy. You know, the the improvements at that position would only come from, in, you know, improved quarterback play, which, again, I'm not seeing you are. Very good point. I, I agree with you 100% there. Clay had 49 catches last year, wasn't healthy a lot of the season. They didn't throw to him enough, so maybe a quarterback like McCarron will throw to him more. Him and O'Leary, maybe they can put up better numbers. All right, offensive line, I think this is the one position on the team where it's clear-cut. They're worse than they were last year. I guess the question is, how much worse? They lose Incognito. They lose Eric Wood. Arguably, their best two offensive linemen last year. I don't know who would pretty much argue against that. Dawkins is back. They they signed Russell, but but I need to play center. Bodine, whatever the fuck his name is, I don't like him. He's the center. Maybe Groy plays center. They draft uh, the kid. What was his name again? The the rookie T- Teller Wyatt. So they draft him in the fifth round. Jordan Mills is back. Yay. Dukas is back. Yay. <laughs> I, I, seriously, I told you this last time we talked, and I got heated yeah. about it. If there's one thing that made me love Tyrod, is he made this line look a lot better than it is. I don't like this offensive line. Minus maybe Dawkins, who has a potentially great future ahead of him. This is not a good offensive line. How much worse is it now than it was last year, in your opinion? Or maybe you think it's not Based on if I'm saying they sucked so much last year, maybe they can't get any worse in your mind. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Well, as I sifted through the entertainment value of your uh, of your last rant on the uh on the offensive line and it was entertaining 
you it was it was just it was probably spot on. It's probably how any unbiased onlooker should feel about this line. The the thing that I hold out hope for is in the uh you know is in the potential point of their careers that some of the reinforcements that were brought in are at. Okay. Um guys like uh Bodine, uh Newhouse, the same was true of Ducasse last year. Um these were guys that I'm pretty sure were entering their second contracts, okay, or what most would consider to be, all right, the primes of an NFL player's career. Now, look, man, some dudes just suck, all right, on their first contract, you know, their second contract, they're in their primes, out of their primes, it don't matter, they're just doo-doo, all right, Um, and Bodine, Bodine and Newhouse may be exactly that. Man, <laughs> I think six months from now or nine months, whenever the hell it is, and we're talking about this season, if the Bills do take a step back, like you said they might, or like pretty much everyone thinks that they might, this is going to be the, the top problem. This is problem number one in my mind. I think this offensive line is just horrible. And if Deion Dawkins is the only one who's going to start, in my opinion, who has any real talent, and I should have disrespected the rookie. It's Wyatt Teller. I said Teller Wyatt the first time, so I apologize for that. I like the kid. I think he might start this year. But to me, if this team takes a step backward more than anything else, if this organization screwed up, in my opinion, is that they didn't do more to address this offensive line during the offseason, not properly. And granted, Eric Wood's injury came out of nowhere. That wasn't something they planned for. But, you know, especially incognito, deciding that he was going to retire or if he even does retire, whatever the hell happens with him. I just hate this offensive line, man. I think it's garbage. I really do. And I think it's going to be so bad that it's going to affect the entire offense. It, I really do. I think it's going to affect the rushing game. I think it's going to affect A.J. McCarron. And again, we talked about this two weeks ago. I said, I'll keep beating that drum here. It's half the reason why I don't want Josh Allen to play right away. I don't want him getting his ass kicked behind this line. I could talk about this shit from the next hour. We're on a, we're in agreement that the offensive line is not as good as last year. We just differ on the extent of how much worse it is. Conversely, I think we'll both agree that the defensive line is a lot better than it was last year. What did they lose last year? Right from last year, Ryan Davis they lost. Uh, I I don't even know what they lost. Did they lose anyone besides Ryan Davis? I don't think so. Jeez. Not anyone that matters anyway. Uh- I don't think uh, so. No, man. I mean, look, look, I, I got to, this is, I think it's going to be a theme across the defense as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, sure. maybe when we get to the secondary, we might have to uh, think a little harder on it. But uh, I, yeah. I, I think this defensive line got exponentially better. All right. I think this defensive line sure. might be fucking nasty. If you want to know. Sure. Starloader Laley, Trent Murphy. Defensive line's a lot better. And I really like Harrison Phillips. I think he's going to be a good rookie. I think he's going to get a lot of snaps at defensive tackle. So let's not spend much time there. Shit's pretty obvious. The defensive line is a lot better than last year. The starters are better. The depth is a lot better now. That's going to make a big difference. Linebacker, only one real change. Out is Preston Brown in Tremaine Edmonds. (laughs) Tremaine Edmonds better be better than Preston Brown. But is he going to be better than Preston Brown as a rookie? What do you yes. think? <laughs> I mean, that's it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just, 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 yes. And, and let me, let me add to that too. All right. You know, I think Matt Milano is going to be a hell of a lot better in year two as well. You know, that goes me back too. to, you know, kind of that Zay Jones conversation a little bit in terms of how, uh, how a unit can pro- uh, improve itself, you know, strictly on, um, you know, experience of guys still here. I think Matt Milano takes a pretty big jump. Uh, you know, from this year to next. And I think they really liked Tanner Vallejo last year, who I I think may have been trending ahead of, of Milano before uh, Vallejo got injured. So I think this line, and, and man, yo, Lorenzo Alexander played lights out in that freaking, uh, in that wild card game. Um, yeah, he from did. From the linebacker spot. If, if Edmonds can hold his own, get, you know, feel his way through, uh, you know, the early part of the season, 
I think this, you know, this particular unit could take as big a jump because, I mean, let's be honest, man, you know, in a lot of cases, there's there's only two of them on the field on a given time, you know, so one right. can make all the difference in the world. So this could be a big jump. This could be a big jump. I agree. And listen, the first time Edmonds gets a fucking one sack or one interception, he's already made more impact plays than Preston Brown. I don't want to hear about tackles five yards down the field. Don't give a shit about that. You know what? Another sneaky re-signing that I really like, too, is R- Ramon Humber. Yeah. I like that kid. I'm glad he's back. He's got some talent. I-, I like him in a depth role. He doesn't have to have a big starting role on this team, so I like him where he is. All right, last thing, secondary, moderate changes. Outs, EJ Gaines, talented player, didn't play enough. In, Vontae Davis, good player, aging veteran, though, maybe a l- perhaps a little long in a tooth coming off an injury, so he's in. They bring they drafted Teron Johnson the safety and they and Teron Neal in the, in the what was it the fourth and fifth round out is Sharice Wright and out's Leonard Johnson a guy that we both liked thought he was an underrated player on this team so how you feeling about the secondary comparison this year to last I think there, I don't know that there's a position in the game uh, or unit I should say uh, in the in football that has more to gain uh, year to year by playing together than the secondary does. Uh, and and I think that our safeties, who were fantastic last year, might even be a little bit better once they just start, you know, I mean, you know, when they can just look at each other and and know, you know, what's what the other one's doing. Um, my sure. only, my that- only concern, and and I think Davis is an upgrade from uh, from Gaines as well. I, I like Gaines. I wanted him back around. Boy, there were a lot of freakish, uh, you know, odd stats, uh, you know, in his favor that made him look a little more valuable than he was. And I and I think right. that that uh, proved to be true when he hit the market. Um, I think Davis is an upgrade. My only concern is losing their position coach. Uh, I hope that uh, that doesn't cost us anything in terms of the cohesion of the unit as, it, you know, playing together and stuff like that. They're still under the umbrella of Leslie Frazier and the same defense schematically and stuff like that. So hopefully it doesn't. But if you're looking for an area of concern in the secondary, it would be, you know, it, it, it would be a, a new position coach could concern somebody. Okay, so here's where we're at now. And this is going to lead to my last question on this topic. We we both agree, and I think everyone would, this defense is better than it was last year. There's no question about that. This defense is better. We both think that the receivers are pretty much the same. The tight ends physically and literally are the same. We differ on opinions on the offensive line. I think it's trash. You think the offensive line could be at least be adequate. We'll leave. We'll use that word. No, adequate. that's perfect. Um, all right. Running backs, we both think Ivory's an upgrade over Tolbert, although we probably would have liked to have seen someone better than Ivory, but he's better than Tolbert. So based on that, you know, and then the quarterback is the big thing. Is quarterback that important to you to arrive at the conclusion that with a better defense and for the most part, the same offense, maybe a little bit better in some spots and a little worse in others, why do you think that this team's going to take a step back this year and you're not, listen, you're not alone. Most people think that this team's taking a step back this year. I guess the question is, why do you think that? Is the quarterback that important to you is what I should say. Yeah, but it's not, I'm not basing that entirely on the quarterback. And, and let me also say that, you know, the context in which I talked about them taking a step back was just kind of going over the Brandon stuff and, and you know who who the scapegoat might be. I am not. I, okay. I, I, I you know not that this necessarily represents quote unquote the record, but I am not uh, ready to go on record as saying they will take a definitive step back. So I I, I don't think that it's entirely based upon, based on the quarterback. If they do, quite frankly, I think it's based on the fact that they were very fortunate to win nine games last year. Okay. They beat an Atlanta team that, you know, had like freaking you catching the ball. Um, and, and they had a couple <laughs> other games that, 
Um, you know, they were just r- really lucky at the time that they caught the opponents. I know that's going to happen in a- any given year. Yeah, I mean, that's, turnovers just, that's too. just the ebbs and flows uh, of right. a 16 game football season. But this, this team, sure. had, big breaks, this team you know, has some luck big on breaks, their side. Turnovers. This team has some luck on their side last year, man. Plain and simple. They could easily be a better football team this year with a worse record. Fair enough. And, and again, let's not predict records right now. It, it, it's freaking May, for God's sake. But I just wanted to kind of get a feel for why people think that this team's not, and not you again, maybe I used the wrong context with you, but everywhere I read, I mean, I'm looking at 2019 mock drafts. They have fucking Buffalo picking in the top five. I've seen a couple where they pick first. I mean, it's just crazy. I don't see unless AJ McCarron is really bad and Josh Allen is completely not ready. I want to hit on a couple things before we get out of here quickly. Let's talk the hockey for a minute. How mind blowing it is it to you? That just a year ago, like literally a year ago, the Las Vegas Knights were, they didn't even have a roster. They didn't even have a team yet. Now, one year later, albeit, you know, they lost uh, Saturday night to Winnipeg, so they're down one nothing. But still, this team's in the fucking Western Conference Finals when they weren't even in existence a year ago. How mind-blowing is that to you? Because to me, that's one of the more underrated sports stories of the past several years. Oh, man. I, you know, I have no idea what to make of them. Like, like, seriously, no idea what to make of them. It, it is mind-blowing that they weren't even in existence, but how they did it, what role coaching plays in it, what role motivation and internal drive plays in it versus, you know, analytics people who don't want to hear that, uh, you know, those kind of things at all. I have no idea what to make of it, man. It's It's shocking. I feel like they they didn't even enter that draft with the intention of uh, of being good. You know, I mean, they they no. laid off of guys, you know, for for the sake of draft picks and stuff like that, and somehow or another fell ass backwards into uh, into a winner. Someone did a incredible incredible uh, job, probably whoever you know their their coach. I think their coach is is it. Gerard Gallant and his staff, uh, and somebody got, you know, just stupid lucky. Um, and I think that would be, you know, the, the GM management got lucky as hell. And the coaches may have done as good a job as, as any coach has ever done in any of the professional sports ever. It's I, I got Dude, no I, answers. It's crazy. I mean, I got to preface this because, and this is partially my fault and partially because I've been pissed off at the Sabres all year, as you know. My hockey knowledge is at an all-time low. It really is. I don't know half these goddamn players. And I took some notes. The only reason why I'm going to run off anything new is because I fucking took some notes. William Carlson, a dude who I barely even heard of. I didn't even hear this dude until this past year. This guy might be the most, for that reason, he might be one of the most underrated guy in all of sports. Had 43 goals this year. I looked up the stats. Again, I had no fucking idea. He only had 15 goals with Columbus the past two years. And that was over two full seasons. And he was exposed in the waiver draft. Who the fuck is this guy before this year? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm outing myself, I guess, as a casual fan by saying that. I'm sure a lot of uh, more knowledgeable hockey fans are thinking I'm an idiot right now. And they're right. But it's just a point. I'm, you know, I go up and down that roster with just names that I'm barely even familiar with. It's just crazy to be that a team could go from being an expansion team to being four woods away from being in the Stanley Cup. It just blows my mind, and more people should be talking about that. Yeah, you know, maybe I'm wrong to to talk about you know at the at the GM level to be you know falling ass backwards into it. I mean, someone had to know who this Carlson was, and guys like you know March or so and stuff sure. like that. So, you know, kudos to them. I I, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I I, I need a. I need a 30 for 30 or something on this team to know what the fuck happened here. Cause I couldn't give, give you any sort of insight on it. It defies all logic. I mean, come on, you know, it defies all logic and someone's just going to have to sit down someday and just go from the expansion draft or, or even from it, their inception, you know, when it was announced that they would, you know, that, that they would be, be given a franchise and, and take it through all the steps to uncover just how it was done because 
you know, right now, um, conventional wisdom simply does not apply. But I do sure. think Winnipeg beats. Well, like I said, I, I, I think. I think I think Winnipeg's just a, a a damn good hockey team right now and a lot of fun. So I, I think I think their ride ends uh, in this in this round. And my point is, you know, I'm outing myself for a lack of hockey knowledge this past year or past couple of years, for that matter. But I guess the point I was trying to make is that even the experts, just nobody saw that coming. Now let's move on real quick too, because I want to touch on the NBA. Notwithstanding today, because he took an ass whooping all over the court, well, him and his team who didn't feel like showing up today. But that aside, if there was ever a case to begin with to be made, is LeBron James strengthening his case as the best ever based on how well he's still playing at his age after 15 years in a league and especially how great he's been in the playoffs? Again, not today, Sunday, withstanding. He's gonna have to. Um, he's gonna have to sell out Cleveland again and go find a couple more titles. I mean, that's just where I where I'm at with it. I'm the guy who needs rings. Okay, I mean, I'm the guy who, you know, until Brady came along, th- there was never a debate about the best quarterback to ever play the game. It was Joe Montana. All right, I'm a ring guy, man. Plain and simple. What he's doing right now is nuts. All right. It's nuts. If you, if, if, if you told me rings don't exist, championships don't exist. Who's the most incredible basketball player you ever watched? It would be LeBron James. Okay. But rings do exist. Championships do exist. I need him to win one or two more. I don't agree with you. I think he's affected the approach of teams over the past decade or so more than anyone I could ever remember, including Jordan. And listen, for the record, I do still think Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. He's probably my favorite athlete ever, so I need to get that out there. But this guy has changed the game. Teams are building super teams, and he's been part of it, too. You know what I mean? He gets coaches fired. That Casey guy from Toronto, he was the fucking coach of the year. How do you win coach of the year and then get fired? It was because Cleveland and LeBron just absolutely owned him in the playoffs. Got his ass fired. And this guy, you know, again, 15 years in the league. He averaged a career high in minutes this year. I looked up the stats this year. This was before today's game. He only had 15 today, but he came into Sunday's game averaging 34 points, 9.4 rebounds, and 9 assists in the playoffs. That's absolutely insane. Insane. And he's 23-0 in the Eastern Conference and series over the last eight years. I don't buy that he needs to win more rings. Yo, hold up, though. I really uh, don't. That's cool. I mean, no, I, I, I got a feeling I'm in... Well, I don't know about the minority there, but I certainly know that uh, there's there's many who would disagree. It might be pretty damn close to split uh, in terms of that opinion. Here's a quick question for you, though. If the Celtics somehow found a way, it wouldn't be that much of a surprise after today to see them, you know, find a way to the finals. But if they somehow find found a way to actually win, okay, can, do, you, do, you, do you trade Kyrie Irving? I mean, you just won a championship. Without him. Right. You know what I mean? He is seen as, I don't want to say selfish, but he's he's definitely, you know, he's he's a scorer. He's a guy who needs the ball in his hands. You know, he needs things running through him. I don't think, you know, I think I think Hayward's a fit. You know, they're, they're other injured superstar, you know, injured since game one. But um, you're, you're Danny Ainge and you win a championship with this group. You taking calls on Kyrie? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I haven't really thought about it. Let me throw you one question, then we'll move on because I got a couple more things I want to get to. Yeah. Let's say let's say that Boston beats Cleveland in embarrassing fashion. Not embarrassing as in because I personally I don't know why Cleveland would even be the favorite. I, I know who's off, but Boston's a very good team, even without what they're missing. Well, let's just say that Cleveland loses in five, okay? Yeah. Do you think LeBron's out? And if he does, where do you think I he think goes? LeBron's out if they don't win a championship. Uh, I think if they get there, I think he stays. Maybe I'm wrong, though, because maybe I'm underestimating uh, the, 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 the tension, the bad, shitty relationship between him and Gilbert. It must be really bad, by the way, for him to leave the city that he came back to. If he leaves, he fucking hates Gilbert with a passion. But let's just say that they don't win the championship. If he's not in Cleveland, where do you think he goes? Oh, 
Podcast. Knicks. Knicks. That would be nice. Would I would love I mean, that. my God. I say the Lakers. The, it, oh, my God. LeBron and MSG with Porzingis and the, those freaking – oh, my God. Can you imagine the Knicks, Celtics, and Sixers – like it's just it's 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 old school, man. If if LeBron went to the Knicks, now I'm rooting for it. Now I just flat out want that shit to happen. It would oh, be nice. God, I still say if he leaves Cleveland, I think he's going to go to the Lakers. Though I really do. I think that's the one team that Cle- he could leave Cleveland for. It would be the Lakers. But I hope you're right because I personally would love to see the Knicks quickly. Tiger Woods, beautiful weekend. So sold. And I'm talking about the Players Championship. He was only one under. After the first two rounds, but he came out on Saturday, shot a seven under. He was three under today. So he finished 11 under. He was 10 under on the weekend. Tiger, was this weekend just a fluke or do you think this is the start of what's a really nice run for him? Uh, Well, the PGA's attempt to uh, get more of a profile uh, on the players by putting it in the normal slot of the U.S. Open as opposed to the end of the year uh, when it competes with football did not uh, resonate with one tone pucks. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I talked to uh, OSB's uncle about it uh, today, and it's the first I even fucking knew that Tiger uh, was making this sort of run. I need to uh, I need to see him play another major before I have any clue as to whether or not he's uh, you know he's making a, a a comeback to compete for uh, for championships. I just I did not see a single shot from this week other than. You know, just to hear, I, I might catch some highlights, you know, later or whatever. I just, I don't know how he found his way to the, you know, to that score. Well, I watched a little bit of it over the weekend. And the only reason why I didn't watch more is because like I talked to you at the top, I pretty much watched fucking Parks and Recreation the entire weekend. And I would tend to say that, you know, show me more. It's just a weekend, a good weekend, whatever. The, the, the conditions were great for scoring. So all that. But the one thing I will say that looks good for him going forward is he looks healthy. And I saw a little bit of that tiger swag, you know, twirling the club after a nice drive and stuff like that. It's the first time where he looked physically on his face where he expected to play well. Do you know what I mean? It didn't look like he was surprised in any, it didn't surprise himself certainly by playing well. It looks like he kind of got some of that swag back. Obviously I want him to play well and I hope it continues. I'm sure you're the same way only because it's more exciting. One last quick golf thing, too. Props to Webb Simpson, by the way, for dominating. I think he shot 20 under. It took away any weekend drama. That part of it sucked. What's more fun for you, man? Do you like watching an old school, like, vintage Tiger performance where he's absolutely fucking destroying the field and leaving them in pieces? Or are you the kind of guy who would rather see a nail-biter that comes down to the 72nd hole? All depends on the guy who's uh, who's dominating, you know? If it's a guy who is a historic figure. If it's a tiger, if it's a Phil, you know, I'll, I'll put speed and, and Rory in that. Um, you know, if it's a name guy, you know, just lap in the field. Um, to me, that's cool. If it's, you know, Joe Webb Simpson fucking lap in the field. No, I don't, I'd like to, I'd like to see it come down to, uh, you know, to, to 16 through 18 rather than, um, who I attribute to being uh, mostly a no name, you know, laying it on everybody else. I want to switch it up here. Let's switch it up a little bit as we get out of here. I saw a couple things throughout the week on Twitter. I like the random questions that come out. Someone will post a question and then I see some media people, you know, retweet it, quote tweet it, whatever you call it. And next thing you know, it's a big viral popular thing. I stole a couple of these. So, and I gave you, you know, a little bit of time to come up. I'm with ready. I like this. I got a I'm couple good. questions. Let's do it. All right. What's a TV show that you loved? that you feel was gone too soon? That was a good question. That was a good question. My choice here is HBO's The Newsroom. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I absolutely loved that show. I don't know what happened that Sorkin lost like all his writers after season one or two or something like that. (laughs) That, you know, I, I don't know how much that fed into it, but my God, it could still be going. Can you imagine if it was still going right now with the with the Dude. current climate? You know, it was so brilliantly, you know, done. I mean, they when when they said, you know, when they asked if they could use current day stuff, and and they were told that they had to, 
you know, they couldn't go current day with it, but they could reflect like a year back. You know what I mean? They could always be, right. you know, a year behind the news. I thought that was perfect. I thought that played perfectly into the storylines. And, um, man, it just, you know, it, uh, it fizzled after, after a few. And I would, uh, um, I for one would, uh, would still be watching, you know, with, with all kinds of anticipation every Sunday if it was still around. I miss it. I miss it. It was the greatest to me, you know, that, that show's, uh, premiere intro where he's on the panel and he just goes off is, is one of the greatest clips from television, um, that I've ever seen. I, I loved it. I loved his role in it. And it's impossible to fucking watch Dumb and Dumber after seeing him in that role, just for the record. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. I am, I was so confident that you were going to say that I actually came up with another one. I agree with you with the newsroom, by the way. It's only on for three seasons. Yeah. That, yeah, that sucked. Man. And, and yeah, you're right. Too. Jeff Daniels, I, I agree. I, I was blown away by how good Jeff Daniels was. Plus, that's when I first fell in love with Olivia Moon, uh, Aaron Rodgers' ex. Love that oh, chick. Yeah. But I came up, based on knowing that you were going to say that shit, mine is Arrested Development, which is only half right, because now there's another season coming on, but it was gone for a long time. Let's move on. Next one. I saw this. Name a movie everyone loves, but you don't. It's been a long time. All right, since I've seen this. So perhaps, you know, my my sense of humor or appreciation for this movie might have uh might have changed, okay? Uh and this is going to be be a very taboo pick uh amongst any, you know, Buffalo people, uh Buffalo listeners because uh, you know, being the hockey town that we are, you know, people seem to love it, but I don't get all the uh, uh all the love for Slapshot. Just, you know, did not really make me laugh, man. Just did, you know. Interesting. Fair enough. That's interesting. Okay, I went with Lord of the Rings, all of them. I hate oh those God, movies. I, even I don't care about them. Why, why would you even waste your time I, watching them? Because everyone, everyone I know likes them, and everyone I know talks about them, except for you, apparently. <laughs> ditto for those those things. Ditto, ditto for like I don't Harry either. Potter. I can't give you descriptions because I don't you know like what, them. Though? Yeah, I you hate know Harry. What? No, I don't like the Harry thing Potter. with Lord of the Rings and, and Harry Potter, or just just wizardry, sorcery, whatever, whatever that shit is. It just makes it that much more unbelievable that we love Game of Thrones as much as we do. Because Game of Thrones is all Absolutely. that stuff. But, you know, Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> and I love Game of Thrones. I don't know why, though. I don't give a shit about Lord of the Rings and I don't care about Harry Potter. Another one, too, real quick before I get to the last one. I know it had the greatest cast or one of them ever. I also didn't get the love for The Departed. I did not think that movie was all that great. I just didn't like it. I know DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Marky Mark, all those fucking guys. I know it was Baldwin, Nicholson, all-time great cast. Didn't love the movie. I know it's a favorite among many. Not for me, though. All right, last one here. What's your most biased sports opinion that you think is still true no matter what anyone says? I got to go with, uh, oh man, I actually had to give this one, you know, a fair amount of thought. And, and I, and, and from the point that we, we started taping, I, I, uh, I didn't really, I didn't really have my final answer. So I think I'm going to go with the 1986 Lafayette Violets win the Harvard Cup if Worthy Duckett <laughs> doesn't tear his knee up. <laughs> you got the wrong year, bro. It's 88. Yeah. Oh, man, 88. I, I was agree with you. For the record, I th- or maybe a sophomore. For the four people that know what you're talking about, <laughs> I actually could agree with you more, man. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, since you don't have a real one, I cheated and I got two, right? One's national and one's on a Buffalo local one. I'll give you the national first. In his prime, Roy Jones Jr., in his prime, was the best pound-for-pound boxer ever. Better than Mayweather, better than Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, any of them. In his prime, he was the best pound-for-pound boxer that's ever lived. That's how good he was. Yeah. Who did I... uh... Who did I reference earlier in the, uh, in the, in the, oh, that's right. Atlanta's receivers. Yeah. Roy Jones basically fought like the Falcons receivers that played against the Bills this year. Okay. That's, 
<laughs> he did not. Jones he there was no nobody. one good enough to fight him. No, he beat Hopkins. He beat Tony. He schooled oh them. Uh, what was that? I, I, my mind's drawing to play. I don't know. All the guys. 400 pounds when he fought Roy Jones. He was untouchable when he was in his prime. Fastest fighter, fastest hands, strong, best defense. No one could touch him in his prime. All right. Last one, too. And I have a Buffalo themed one. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but this is how I feel anyway. Daryl Talley deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, all about the rings, baby. Uh, Talley and uh, Talley and Hull would be there with two. All right, I actually, I've, I've, I've gone through. We could do this another time because I wouldn't remember. But I've, I've gone through and I've thought about which guys get to the, you know, get to the Hall that aren't in from that era if they win one, two. You know, or like, let's say all four. Tally is a guy who probably gets there with uh, with two wins. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. He was a he was a he was a fun guy to watch. But outside of Buffalo, you know, you get you get no traction on that take. Um, you know, without without hoisting a trophy or two. Fair enough. Got anything going on this week? Anything fun and exciting? No, not really, man. I I, I think uh I, I think I'm just gonna save all of my fun and excitement for uh the Canal Side uh concert series, which was announced this past week. Did you hear it? Yeah, I did. I'm not gonna be there for the doom, two doom, that doom, I'd like doom, to do. Doom, <laughs> doom, 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 doom. All right, I told you not. I told you don't ever sing on this podcast, and now you've done it twice. So we're gonna wrap that up on that note. Tone pucks out. I'll talk to you next week. All right, that'll wrap up things for today. Big thanks to Tone Pucks for coming on and kicking it with me. Of course, most of all, thanks to all of you for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher or wherever else you hear podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I'll be back again with another episode on Thursday. Till then, have a great week. Talk to you guys soon. Peace.